0: Welcome to this week's edition of Pittsburgh Pop. It is Tim Benz and Rob Owen with you on the day after the Oscars. So plenty for us to talk about. Rob, I know this. Everything, everywhere, all at once, won everything all at once. And I have yet to see it. Did you? Was it deserving?
1: Uh, I finally saw it. I got it in just under the wire. I saw it Saturday night. Um, yeah, I think it was certainly the most creative, different out there. Um, and yet it was it still had a lot of feeling and heart and emotion to it. It was ultimately this story about love, even though there was all kinds of weird trippy stuff going on. Um, I probably should really watch it again to completely get it, I think. But yeah. Um, But yeah, I liked it. I was happy for the the winners of it. I was surprised at Jamie Lee Curtis. I didn't expect her to pick up an award. The way award seasons had had been going, it seemed like that was going to go to Angela Bassett, but it did not. Um, Everyone else I was super thrilled for. Michelle Yeo, especially. I have liked her for a long time. She is a fantastic actress, and she's also game to talk about her projects, which, you know, is part of the job, but not all actors are.
0: Well, I know this, and I got this text from a friend of mine who was watching the Oscars last night. He said, uh, Data from Goonies and Sino Man and the Prostitute from Trading Places all won Oscars. This is the way, Rob. I mean, this this is the Oscars in 2023. Well, and Data gave a shout out to Chunk from Goonies. That's uh, right. His, that was that the best ba- his his speech, Margot Robbie's outfit. And that woman wearing the big white thing, whoever that was, that was blocking <laughs> oh, everybody's view. Yeah. That's yeah. all I know about the Oscars. Oh, and Brandon Fraser, What did you think about his speech? Some people didn't like his speech. Um,
1: honestly, I was typing madly at that point, so I probably didn't imbibe all of his speech. Um, it, it struck me as fairly similar to his Critics' Choice Awards speech, but I I could be completely wrong on that.
0: I know there were some people who said, you know, this is a bit like the – movie with Scarlett Johansson that was going to be set in Pittsburgh that they didn't end up filming about oh, right, text. because
1: But he's put on a lot of weight. <laughs> I mean, not as much as they obviously had to do some special effects work to, to make him look like the character in The Whale, but at the same time, it's not like he's a super skinny guy pretending to be large. He actually has over time gotten larger himself. So And he has since slimmed down from that height but um I don't know that that didn't bother me
0: Hugh Grant is taking some heat as well for being a jerk <laughs> on the red carpet did you see oh, his interview he was,
1: he was such a total jerk he was such a oh he was a wonderfully total jerk in some ways it was just like this is a guy who is not playing your red carpet stupid question games and and then they were talking past each other he talked about Vanity Fair in the the British sense. She thought he was talking about the Vanity Fair Oscar party. Um, And and then he just wouldn't give her anything in, in answering. And on the one hand, it's like, okay, I get it. You don't want to play the inane games. But if that's true, why did you stop to let them ask you questions?
0: Why did you, why, did why did you did go? Why did you go in the first place? Well, he did, he did have a
1: funny, very funny line uh, when he was presenting with Andy McDowell, very self-deprecating and funny. Uh But I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I did wonder why did you, if, if you're not going to be polite to the person asking you the inane questions, just skip it.
0: And I don't know who it was that was wearing the big puffy white thing. <laughs> I the... have no
1: idea either, but that was so obnoxious.
0: It was like sitting behind the pole at Fenway park. Yes. It was an obstructed view seat in the outfield.
1: Yes. I, I don't know if that person was just, blueless about what their outfit was going to do or they just didn't care although who knows we couldn't see perhaps the seat behind them was left empty but i rather doubt
0: let's get to something else rob there was a quite the stir this past week when uh steve carell was on a podcast for the office now it's like the off they call it the office ladies right yes yes jenna fisher and angela Kinsey, kinsey i think yeah yeah So they were doing a podcast. They always do a podcast. And Steve Carell was on it. And about an hour and six seconds into the podcast, they asked Steve Carell what his favorite city in the U.S. was. I think these were like listener questions. And sure enough, here's the clip. Steve Carell says Pittsburgh. Favorite place you've visited in the United States. Pittsburgh was pretty cool. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that ironically either. I, I, I've i done a couple of movies there, and I liked it. It was a cool city. All right, there you go. I bet that's the first one you got. Shout out to Pittsburgh. Shout out to Pittsburgh. Rob, did you know that Steve Carell was such a big fan of Pittsburgh, and will be will you be doing some follow-up investigation here?
1: Uh, I'm not sure there's a lot of follow-up investigation to be done. I suppose the next time I have a chance to, to interview him, sure, I will ask him about that. I, I don't think it's a a pressing breaking news situation however but um no i i didn't know that back in the day when he was doing the office i think that was before he probably shot in pittsburgh so i wouldn't have had the opportunity to ask him about it then uh no i did not know he was a big pittsburgh fan but i mean you know it it makes sense steve carell is a in my sense a fairly down-to-earth guy not a celebrity celebrity so it it stands to reason that he would like a place like Pittsburgh.
0: I'm trying to think of what else. I know he did Foxcatcher, which was around here. That was more like Uniontown-ish though, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, but whenever they film something, um, you know, relatively close to Pittsburgh, uh, then the the crew base and where they put the actors up in the hotels is always going to be Pittsburgh. So, you know, when he had his time off, it was probably you know, to wander around Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I don't know where he stayed. Most of the time when actors come to town, if they're coming for a long shoot, um, they put him up at the Quirk factory down in the Strip District. So um, it's possible that that's where he was. Or if it was a shorter duration shoot, he might've been at the Omni, William Penn, or whatever they're calling it these days. But, But one of the downtown hotels, for sure.
0: Anything going on here lately? Are they shooting anything now? I mean, I know Pale Blue Eye was the last big thing you and I had been talking about quite a bit.
1: Yeah, so uh, American Rust is in process shooting. Um, They'll be done in April sometime. And then after that, there's not really anything officially announced um, because they're out of money for the film tax credit. Now, the governor's office can authorize them to go ahead and take money out of the next fiscal year to get things going again in town but i don't know that that has happened yet so Mm -hmm. i think there are things that would like to come to film um but they 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 have not gotten that authorization for the film tax credit and let's face it that's the only reason anybody goes anywhere to film these days um and then there are still a few things in the can that did film here rustin the uh, Netflix movie, I suspect that will be an awards play, so I don't expect you'll see that until fall sometime. The one I thought we would have seen sooner was um, Deliverance, which is the Lee Daniels, Monique Glenn Close movie that shot here, last, that shot in Pittsburgh last summer. It, um, it has not gotten scheduled by Netflix, and when I've emailed to ask what's up, they haven't responded, so I'm not sure what's going on with that maybe they've got to do reshoots or
0: something I forgot to bring this up when we were talking about the Oscars uh, since we referenced it during last week's podcast uh, any sort of references or self-deprecating awareness jokes about what happened last year with Chris Rock and will Smith
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. No, that was that was the elephant in the room you knew that had to come up and but Jimmy Kimmel who was the host who did I thought a good job I think he's always um, a pretty amiable guy Uh, host for these award shows he genuinely appreciates the entertainment industry he doesn't look down on it but he can poke good fun at it so he was smart in that he did not lead with that and he started with sort of some softer jokes and then as his monologue went along they got a little harsher and harsher and then at the end he got into the whole Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith business and it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty funny. He both made fun. He mostly made fun of the reaction last year. He's like, okay, this year we've got security and I want you people to do exactly what you did last year which is absolutely nothing. May, maybe even give the Acosta a hug which is a reference to Denzel Washington hugging uh, Will Smith after the slap. So yes, it was definitely referenced. Um, people on Twitter were joking that, the, uh, that it was Will Smith in the bear costume. From Cocaine Bear, who yes. presented Elizabeth Banks, which um, I thought I was surprised Kimmel did not uh, suggest that. But you know, they Kimmel really. Other, I think he only did one real. Well, I did two bits, but they were both short, and so it kept things moving. It, he did not interrupt the telecast for bits that much, which I think was probably for the better.
0: And he's not a sing and dance guy, so that helps.
1: No, he's not. But um, but in the past, he has done more lengthy. Uh, comedic bits, and this time he kept them quite short. And I, I think that is to the betterment of the Oscar telecast as a whole. One thing we also didn't talk about, the In Memoriam segment and all the people that got left out, including a favorite of yours, Philip Baker Hall. He was not in the uh, In the in Memoriam segment. and Haste was not in it. Paul Sorvino was not in it. Tom Sizemore was not in it.
0: Tom it was- Sizemore? How did Tom Sizemore not get in it? I
1: mean... That one was the most recent celebrity death, so maybe that's why. But I was I was surprised at the the others that didn't make it. The only thing I can think on Philip Baker Hall and Hayes is maybe they decided they were more TV people. But Sorvino, Paul Sorvino, certainly seems like someone who should have been included.
0: Oh, Philip Baker Hall was in a bunch of movies.
1: Well, I know he was, but was the preponderance of his work in film or in television? It may be that they concluded it was more television.
0: Well, here's here's some of the. Uh, I'm not arguing with you, but if that if that is their mentality, Boogie Nights, yeah, talented Mr. Ripley, Truman Show, The Insider, Bruce Almighty, uh, those are all movies, you know, like yep. and certainly as recognizable as, as his bit on Seinfeld, <laughs> right, as the librarian. So um yeah uh, and i think uh magnolia he was in magnolia too actually that might have been his best work. didn't he get he might have been nominated for magnolia now that i say that yeah i'm i offhand i'm not 100 percent sure but um
1: yeah i i, I thought that was a an, a bad oversight as were some of those other ones.
0: screen I've actors seen. guild award nominations for outstanding performance by an ensemble cast member in boogie nights and magnolia there you go i just found yeah. it here um i did see in a Sheeran, the Banshees of In a Sheeran. Yeah. Did you see I that?
1: I did not because I heard it was marketed as a comedy and it was not a comedy. <laughs> I
0: was just going to say, of course you didn't see it because you haven't thrown yourself in front of a train yet, which is <laughs> my first instinct after I got beyond the first 45 minutes. For the first 45 minutes, it felt like a witty, kind of fun, dry humor comedy where nothing happens, but I was still very much engaged. Right. Right. Very, After the first 45 minutes, it was ungodly depressing. Like, it was, let me depress you, and oh, is an Ireland pretty. Like, those were the two things you walked away with. And I was just like, people die that have absolutely no reason to die. These (laughs) characters do these turns that have absolutely no sense in why they're doing what they're doing. And the movie just goes, whoop! total pitchfork i i couldn't believe what i was watching but i do want to go back to ireland now all, all that said i want to go back to ireland
1: well it served a purpose then
0: yeah that's i <laughs> irish tourism committee or whatever right all right, right um so we're taping on monday monday morning billy porter is on tuesday nights that's my jam is that right
1: yes yes so um that's my jam is a jimmy fallon hosted primetime show that is a spin off of a bit he used to do on the tonight show maybe still does i don't know that's past but that's right um, but it's uh, two sets of two pairs of celebrities come on and compete in a series of games that sometimes involve music. They do charades. There wasn't a lot of music in that. Um, there's one where they have to sing the song and they're given the lyrics until it gets to a certain point, And then they have to sing the lyrics correctly. And if they do sing it correctly, then the other pair gets squirted with water. If they don't sing it correctly, then they get squirted with water. So anyway, uh, Billy Porter is paired with Patti LaBelle in Tuesday night's episode, competing against Darren Criss and Sarah Hyland from uh, Modern Family. So if you are a a, uh, a Billy Porter fan, this is a good opportunity to watch him be very silly.
0: Finally, Rob, what are people saying about the season finale of The Last of Us?
1: Oh, boy, it was rough. It was a rough watch. Um, it aired last night opposite the Oscars, which, you know, a decade ago – HBO never would have put one of their hit shows against the Oscars. Nowadays, they would. Um, you know, it, it. I did not see as much chatter about it on Twitter last night as I usually do on Sunday nights. But, you know, it definitely came to a head as um, Joel and Ellie reached this place that he was supposed to take her to where they were going to figure out, the doctors were going to figure out if she has the cure for the plague that is um, cordyceps. Of, I don't know if I said that right, but it's the, the thing that makes everybody the mo- mushroom headed zombies. Um, and then things take a turn once they get there because uh, it seems like Ellie is going to have to sacrifice herself in order for them to attempt to maybe get a cure out of her. And Joel who's very much um, in daddy mode uh, is not gonna let that having lost his own daughter at one point and ellie has basically become his surrogate daughter um so once again pedro pascal is is being daddy just like in uh, the mandalorian um but it is it does set it up for oh this is going to go to a bad place next season because um spoiler alert joel saves ellie but then he lies to her about the conditions under which he saved her
0: So when you say it's a rough watch, it was not a good episode or it was just emotionally wrought? Oh, it was just it just it it, a lot of people
1: died, so there was there was the, the violence and the gore aspect which made it rough. But I think to me what made it rougher still was the emotional piece of it and just the the how these characters connect, um, and the lengths to which Joel will go in order to protect Ellie. Um you know, there's unconditional love and then there's unconditional love with a lot of bloodshed and this was the latter
0: well rob what else do we have coming up on tv talk and tv q a this week so tv talk um we've got a new bob Odenkirk AMC series
1: set in the pennsylvania rust belt where is it set is it near pittsburgh we'll try and get you an answer uh and then tv q a oh wait one other thing in tv talk there's a new donald glover show on amazon next weekend that that I I would recommend you to watch and my review will be in the column later this week, but it's called Swarm and it is sort of a take on toxic fandom. Um, Particularly uh, there's a woman who is a fan of a music star who's clearly supposed to be Beyonce. And let me just say, it is both darkly hilarious and shocking. You sort of gasp and laugh uh, at the same time. Uh, it's only seven seven half-hour episodes. I thoroughly enjoyed it and loved it. So I, I, I highly recommend that one as long as you can stomach um, some of the, the violence and the blood. Uh, TV Q&A this week, um, there's an Amazon series. Somebody in the trailer wears a Pirates hat. Oh, my God, is it set in Pittsburgh? We'll find out.
0: <laughs> no, because nobody wears Pirates hats in Pittsburgh anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ding, ding, ding. No,
0: You'll All see. right. Uh, that'll do it for us. We are done for this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, make sure you read Breakfast the Ben's, listen to the podcast as well as we are getting ready for Pitt, Penn State, and West Virginia, all in the NCAA tournament. A big local influence for the NCAA tournament this year, and the Penguins are taking on the Rangers a bunch of times at Madison Square Garden. So a lot to write about free agency and football as well. So track us there. This is Trib Live.